1: The National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. Out in front of Williams. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. She takes a shot she scores. See the full schedule and find where to watch at IONNWSL.com.
0: We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet five dollars get two hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. He just can't miss tonight. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more. Only on Fandor. On new customers bet five dollars get two hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the New Books Network.
2: Hello and welcome back to another episode on New Books in Japanese Studies, a podcast channel of the New Books Network. I am Jingyi Lee from the University of Arizona. Joining us today is Professor Harry Hartunian and his new book, "Archaeism in Actuality, Japan and the Global Fascist Imag- Imaginary. It was published by Duke University Press recently. And uh, Harry is a historian of early modern and modern Japan. He retired from the University of Chicago a while ago uh, in this new book, Harry uses Japan as an example to examine the results of uneven capitalist development. So welcome, Harry. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, before we jump into the book, can you perhaps tell us a bit uh, what kind of research that you have worked on? Um, I get it's it's probably a long journey um, you have um, come, but how, how did you begin this uh, book project?
1: Well, I mean, it, it, it's in many ways. It's a, uh, it's parts of it, are, let's put it this way, is a kind of summing up of things that I've done in the past. I mean, I've uh, written a number of works that deal with essentially Japan's. The intellectual and cultural, often the cultural history of, of Japan's early modern, and ultimately modern. I mean, I don't do early modern stuff anymore, but I've, I've done. What, I've, I've felt that I I did what I wanted to do and went on to other things. So the, what I say is that what I mean by summing up is that the longest chapter in the in this particular book deals with the problem of the restoration, the major restoration. That was my first book, actually. I mean, it's entirely different, actually. I mean, what I write in this book is, is, as I say, entirely different from what I had written in Toward Restoration a long time ago. Uh, I mean, I just changed my mind a number of things, and I think I was wrong about a number of things, or at least, you know, I I, I don't know. If, when I say we're wrong, I'm just saying I, I, I took positions that I probably – wouldn't take today. And I suppose that way, and I have positions today that I wouldn't have taken that, as a matter of fact. So um, so it's that, but it's also um, an attempt to kind of think about uh, how one might want to, or can organize uh, Japan's modern history, certainly from the late uh, Tokugawa period, uh, you know, into uh, the post war, uh, our post war period. Now, and this is, this is, this would be my, uh, the way I've organized this book in itself suggests, in other words, a way to look at it. It wouldn't be entirely agreeable to a lot of people that I know, of, especially a number of my my contemporaries but it's the way that I wanted to look at it. And one of the things that I really wanted to emphasize, for example, is that there's no, you know, between particular moments in Japan's history, I don't really believe that there are causal relationships. I'm not uh, yeah. I'm not one of these people uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, I'll lay it on the right, you asked the question of how, I think it's an interesting question of how rather than why I wrote the book. That's, uh, and the how is that um it's the book is in many ways a reflection of a lot of my own particular put, conceits or biases in the sense that I don't really believe that the past ever leads to the present. I don't think I don't what I want to do is really try to de-emphasize that whole kind of convention uh, that historians use, uh professional historians, people are trained, still still trained in this, as if somehow. There is this kind of linear relationship, in other words, between past opening up into the future into the present, basically. And it's progressive, uh, which I don't necessarily believe. It's, it's also about continuity. And I don't believe that history is' necessarily continuous. I mean, its just it's, it's none of those things. And what I had tried to do is try to get away from that. Uh, on the one hand, get away from the whole idea, of being committed there are two things that i you know that i i wanted to get away from um one is i wanted to get away from the idea that there you know there's a fixed point in that we start the starting point is always a kind of fixed moment in the past instead i wanted to really start with what i think uh it's a much more realistic position is that uh, is starting from the present, basically, because the past really doesn't exist outside of the present. We do history in the present, basically. The second thing I, I make no claims of is that uh, I'm not an archivist. And I gave that up a long time ago. In fact, I think the only, when I read my dissertation was, how shall I put it, archivally based, I did a lot of archival stuff on on that. A lot of it was uh, wo- uh, was worthless in the sense that I couldn't use it, you know. And you know, basically, that's what happens. But I one of the things that bothers me about, especially now these days, the the kind of current, in other words, emphasis upon archivism is if somehow it's your entry into the past, it's not an entry into the past at all, as a matter of fact. I mean, these archives also exist in the present, and, and uh, they allow you to look at a certain moment in a prior time, but it's, it's not anywhere near any kind of complete or ever uh, a, a, a a standard, in other words, uh, um, image, in other words, of that particular past. In other words, that you're concentrating on uh, so there's a kind of fetishization of the archive, especially among uh, historians uh, who in many ways really believe that, you know, the archive will reveal, in other words, all of the se- the kind of secret order of a particular movement or a development and things like that. It doesn't. That's just coming out of you. I mean, basically, I, mean, I realize that some of these things are probably well known, but I just think I wanted to put it on on. on uh, at least before my readers, and just let them know that if you have expectations, you know of these sorts, you might as well look elsewhere. <laughs> um, as I said, the kind of work that I had done it had been this largely working on various forms of a kind of combination of intellectual, cultural history, uh, worked out, you know, nativism, mean, the restorationist uh, loyalists uh, who were all restorationists i mean thinkers about the restoration and that's what the earlier book is about uh about nativism which was of course a an 18th and early 19th century phenomenon where japanese really kind of dis- discovered or reinvented really who they are or were or who they thought they were that's against in other words uh, a long tradition in other words of, of depending upon china or being in the shadow a shadow of in other words of, of, of of Chinese uh, culture, civilization, language, and so forth, and and then I went into the modern period and wrote a, a, a book on, on 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 the experience, the kind of intellectual uh, experience of, of of modernity in the nineteen twenties after you know the nineteen twenties and into the nineteen thirties, and that ended with, in other words with the uh, which ended really with the great conference held in 1942 uh or was it the 41 i think it's 42 uh, of, of, of discussing in other words japan's modernity and writers thinkers the philosophers um, uh, and how you know what what was the meaning in other words of this this modernity and how do we get out of it what they really wanted to do is to, to develop, which was so one of the kind of ironies of this conference is that while it was really, in many ways, really quite anti, anti-Western, anti let's put it this way, uh, the kind of modern they wanted, I mean, it was, was their own, but the whole notion of modernity, in other words, was brought to them, in other words, by the West. I mean, and so that you have... There's a kind of, as I say, an irony operating in that. And you know, I've done stuff elsewhere on other kinds of subjects that have nothing to do with Japan. So I don't, you know, uh, on Marxism on the one hand. And a couple of years ago, I wrote a um, a short kind of memory, kind of a, half of it's fiction because I just it's really about why I wrote the book about my parents' survival, it's a survival uh, from the. Uh, the genocide, the Turkish genocide of Armenians in 1915 and 1916. I mean, they they escaped when when a lot of people did not. So that kind of summarizes, in other words, what I have in mind, what I've I've been about. Thank you. mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: thank you. Uh, There there, there were a lot of uh, interesting points that uh, you brought up, and uh, some of them I've read from your previous books. And as a huge enthusiast of archives myself, um, I would, if we have time later, I would really um, like to hear more of your thoughts on working with archives. But to uh, to get started on um, this book, um, the title of the book already suggests that we're dealing with some quite broad um, concepts here. And you kind of mentioned this a little uh, already about the Meiji Restoration. Um, but can you tell us more about the specific moments of the Meiji Restoration and the specific aspects about Japan that you're discussing in this book?
1: Well, the Meiji Restoration, of course, is, is you know, it's the central event of Japan's, you know, modern history. I mean, it's an, it really cuts Japan off from, or at least it's initially from Japan's, you know, long past. Uh, and, you um, it was a uh, the the restoration like the date being eighteen sixty eight but and the restoration was was in many ways I, I did to discover that the people brought the restoration about was you know they did it in the name of trying to into restoring an emperor that hadn't ruled Japan for you know centuries you know I mean as actually a Japanese emperor during the preceding Tokugawa period. Was largely a prisoner of his own palace. I mean, he never, you know, basically the only way he could leave was as a result of a fire, and that happened occasionally. But uh, and so they're bringing back uh, a, an emperor, in other words, uh, and then it's really with that that whole behind that whole sense is the is is the whole the rethinking and and representation of. Of the origins, basically the origins of Japan, the mythic origins of Japan, the the first emperor who was a descendant of the sun goddess, and which meant, in other words, that all subsequent emperors in Japan, in other words, were were divine, and had the spark of divinity in it. Uh, the the men that brought it about the activists the, these samurai types uh, very literate many of them also uh, but they didn't know in many ways they didn't really have an idea of, that's about it and uh, the restoration itself was the whole idea of the restoration of bringing back the emperor was 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 it was a decision that was made uh, quickly in the end uh, you know and at the last moment. It was not some grand plan that they were going to modernize Japan and so forth. They just wanted to get rid of, in many ways, they wanted to get rid of the Togunawa for a lot of very good reasons uh, and some not so very good reasons. Uh, the Togawa had kind of caved in, you know, allowing Japan to end its its isolation, it's almost 300 years of isolation and and they were criticized for that, bringing in foreigners and opening up Japan, obviously to uh, foreign trade with multiple uh, countries like the United States, which opened Japan, and France, Germany, and Great Britain, so forth and so on. The question about the restoration, the 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 the, the, uh, the question, I mean, the, the the what the restoration really. Became became a almost immediately a historical problem as to, you know, um, what did you know what did uh, you know um, when I say almost immediately I mean that is to say within decades I mean it began people began to think about whether well you know what did what did the restoration actually achieve or you know was it uh, uh, what happened of course was that you know the once. Once the, uh, the 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 Tokugawa were uh, kind of uh, overcome, once the emperor, who was just a fifteen-year-old kid, actually, you know, in other words, he had had no experience whatsoever, no more so than the all of his you know predecessors. I mean, basically, a fifteen-year-old kid uh, who took the name of the rename name of Meiji, uh, you know. Uh, was made, you know, to preside, in other words, over this new uh, social formation, a new state. But they didn't even have the idea of what kind of state they wanted to, you know, they wanted to establish. Uh, and so there is, in other words, the, the what happens is is a, is a um, within a few years after eighteen sixty eight, a kind of a, a changeover. I just, you know, where they're they're. Yeah, and it has to do with, you know, the nature of the Jap- leadership and people, in other words, who, who um, came to the fore uh, and decided that, you know, actually, you know, the, in Japan, you know, it had to become some sort of highly centralized nation state that had to develop an economy that was in consonant or in, with other trading nations, capitalism, essentially. You know and so forth and so on it's there that you get the you know and it's that that moment a lot of these ideas kind of poured into japan from the outside uh and all are so kind of and constituted certainly in the 1870s a moment fairly long moment of what the japanese called enlightenment came all i mean they, they, you know in a sense they they had their experience of enlightenment which laid the basis in other words for the reformulation of japanese side yeah you know in the late 1870s and into the 1880s early 1880s so that what happened in japan and all i'm saying is is that you know was made possible by the event of the major restoration but was not necessarily uh, the plan you know any plan associated with the major restoration and then from that point on, the restoration became an interesting historical historical problem as to what it had done or what it had not done, you see. And one of the interesting things about it is that it had, you know, it was seen at a much later time um, as a rest, as, as something that was still incomplete. There are things that they hadn't done in the 1870s and 80s that by the 19 late 20s and 1930s. People were beginning to talk that, you know, we might need another restoration. And there was a lot of talk about a so-called Showa restoration, taking, taking the brain name of uh, Hirohito, uh, the Showa. And there were attempts at, this Was largely on the, you know, uh, people that were really quite nationalistic in many instances yet, but also kind of radical, a kind of radical right and then there was, of course, the very famous uh, debate, uh, one of perhaps the most central. I think the most, the most central kind of debate, in other words, of, in modern Japan, it still is. And this was this was a, this was both about the introduction of Marxism into Japan from the late 1920s in the late 1920s. After all, you know the, what, the Communist Party. I think was for, for was organized, in Japan Communist Party was organized in the very early 1920s. By the late 1920s, there is a, um, the, the beginnings of a debate between two different groups or factions of Marxian Marxists. There's the Japan, the, the, the group called the Lecture Faction, which was associated with the, uh, the Japan Communist Party, and which, um, uh, was uh, was kind of obliged to follow a, 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 a strategy, a kind of interpretive strategy that was uh, constructed by the Comintern. This is the Communist International, you know, uh, as to what the restoration was and what they still had yet to do. Uh, Japan was seen certainly by the Comintern, Largely is still backward, even though it wasn't. I mean, certainly it couldn't have been. any more backward in, in the late nineteen twenties than you know Russia was in nineteen seventeen. Actually, in fact, probably much more advanced. And that uh, they they had, which meant, in other words, that they would study. I mean, and you know, the, the they would they would see, they would look upon Japan, therefore, as. A society that has yet has yet or to go through two different stages of a revolution in order to be able to, you know, they have to go through a bourgeois democratic stage and then they and then and then, and then ultimately a socialist stage before they become, you know, um uh and they were not they were not at that point yet, according to the common term. But these were the other group were were Marxists, but they they had left the Communist Party and, and were opposed to the idea that you know they had to toe a line that was presented to to them from the outside by foreigners who really didn't know you know what Japan was about. And it was an interesting debate uh, that so one group was called the Lecture faction, They're, you know, tied to the uh, the Communist Party, and the other group was. Was uh, was a Marxian group, which was uh, uh, re- referred to as the farm labor group. Uh, but they were not you know, they were Marxists, but they were not they were not members of the Communist Party, and and they believed that Japan, the restoration was the first stages or the opening of a what they call the bourgeois democratic revolution in other words it was already in the first stage and that they were on their way in other words to a second stage so you can see the kind of difference you know there were really two discourses you know, and when each one presenting, you know, there papers, there's papers, there's a whole, you know, you want to talk about an archive. I mean, that discourse produced an enormous number of essays and books and so forth. You have no idea. It's like a mountain of material, you know, from from roughly 1928 until about 1933, when it was shut down, basically, by by the state, because they were critical of, obviously, the state. And uh, in the, especially in in the uh, the the lecture faction of the Kozaha, uh, which uh, you know were very much concerned about what they called you know kind of emperor, uh, you know uh, the the a, a, a kind of an emperor state fascism you know I mean largely referring to the the bureaucracy the imperial bureaucracy. And you know what? Uh, there the argument was really interesting. Is that you know the lecture faction felt that by you know as a result, in other words, of the strategy that they had to follow, that that modern Japan, say Japan in the nineteen thirties, was still not capitalistic enough. I mean, it was still marred by what they called semi feudalism. In other words, large elements of feudalism still from the past still existed, which blocked or presumably said to to have blocked, in other words, the development of uh, the capitalism, whereas the farm-labor faction were not troubled by that. The, it's really kind of interesting when you begin to look down, you look at the personnel But The lecture faction were mostly historians, largely working in the Togamawa period and trying to argue that, you know, there was very little evidence of capitalism developing in the in the Togamawa period, whereas you were with the... In the the farm labor faction were largely uh, economists, and they, they were really very much convinced. They were more, much more concerned with the present, not necessarily the past. There were historians in that particular group who did talk about to, uh, the Tokugawa period, some really quite outstanding historians, as a matter of fact. But you could see the difference, and there were just kind of two discourses, you know. Talking past each other, basically, and what they did in the end—I mean, they're, they're you know—it was important intellectually because it really, it really introduced into Japan uh, Marxism as a, as an interpretive, as a social science as well. I mean, it, 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 it. Uh, I mean, it was in fact it became a dominant social science in the in the late nineteen twenties and nineteen thirties. I mean, it, you know, it was just. And you know, produced uh, an incredible tradition of scholarship in, in sociology, ethnography, anthropology, and ultimately history. But as I said, it was shut down. Many of the uh, many of the participants, especially the lecture faction, were imprisoned uh, uh, and were subjected to what Japanese called conversion. You know, they they had to... had a kind of uh, renounce in other words their their affiliation or you know they were in, they were in even greater trouble that's another story we don't have to get into but that so the restoration in other words becomes in other words and it you know even to this day I mean you know there's still echoes of that in that in that discourse that that development and um there are probably fewer or less more contemporary historians are there, there are fewer of, of, of the Marxian sort, the kind of classic Marxian sort, and that they're, you know, and they're, they're many of them are much more conservative. see the restoration, you could see it in the centennial of the major restoration of 18, 18, it was in 1968, I remember, and a lot of them you know, produced a lot of stuff by the state, produced a lot of material on the restoration. And... Uh, you, you see that uh, another way of looking at the restoration or what the restoration was 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 was, was a nationalist event. And what it did was, you know, a national event that modernized Japan economically, socially and so and so, so far. So, I mean, it's it's uh, in many ways it has, to, you know, it's like it's an event that obviously will never really go away, at least as far as the Japanese are concerned. So each generation kind of comes to it, in other words, with a different perspective.
0: Slash NBN fifty to get fifty percent
1: off.
2: Now that we're talking about the nineteen twenties and thirties, I would um, like to move on to your next couple of chapters, which um, are about the fas- um yeah the the fascist development around um, among the thinkers at this time. But I guess before diving into that, can we spend a moment to talk about this very important concept that you use throughout to discussion? Uh, um about uh passive revo- revolutions you oh, use yeah. this yes throughout the book can you ca- unpack this part a bit
1: for us I mean, yeah i yeah mean, i could say a lot about it if you want i mean um uh, passive revolution is a concept that was uh, it's it's it, which describes what it really is i mean it's a revolutionary uh, that is evolutionary more than revolutionary uh uh, it's kind of a work in progress. It was organized, or at least it was conceptualized by Antonio Gramsci. Uh, Gramsci was a contemporary of, of the Russian Revolution, or these two, the both rev- rev- revolutions in the nineteen seventeen. And one of the things uh, he, he he drew from that experience, obviously, was you know um, the kind of um, practice in other words uh that seemed to characterize the, the especially the soviet problem, and, and that, that 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 the soviets once they were in power were really i mean they had to rely upon you know um uh, personnel institutions uh, past practices yeah. they had to bring those on board i mean you know um um uh um, at the same time that you know they were trying to develop a, a a new kind of economy not a capitalist economy to be sure but a new kind of economy and what what Gramsci gathered from there is that that you know that he, he saw as a matter of fact the the importance in other words of these the these these inheritances these historical inheritances that that The only model that was available for it, the only really a viable model, or it wasn't termed viable at all, model that was available for for carrying out a revolution was the, the classic French Revolution, the Jackman Revolution of the late 18th century. And that revolution was was a total revolution. I mean, it it, it, it and, and as Gramsci noted, I think obviously quite rightly and very early too, is that he says it can't it can't be a model for. For the kinds of transformations, in other words, that, that are necessary the, in the 19th and, and 20th century, as a matter of fact, the French Revolution, the jacobin Revolution, which was, was an effort as a, at a total revolution, everything had to be overthrown. Everything from the older, you know, the old regime, the old society, had to be gone. I mean, right down to the calendars, they they developed their own calendar, for, you know, and that that was that turned out to be a, a you know. Um, Uh, a a great, almost uh, utopian, in other words, aspiration, but it was really an impossibility. What he discovered is that you you have to, in other words, if you're going to carry out a a restoration, it has to be done, in other words, uh, in, in this passive way, in the sense that you have to really select in other words and recruit or enlist in other words those practices uh institutions and so forth from the past that might be useful um and fuse them with in other words you know especially capitalism I and mean, uh, that's what that's a, he was concerned about that that there would be a, you know you're bringing together incommensurables but they you know and that they one is serving; they serve each other in in an interesting way, and so that you can see that the whole nature of passivity, in other words, by 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 bringing on board some elements from the past in order to prevent the perhaps the excesses of capitalism. I think that's where he looked at about it, looked about it. So that that in a sense, and the other thing he saw is that that. That those elements from the past, in other words, have to come from the past of a particular society. I mean, Italian, Japanese, German. You know, I mean, he right He's he act, as a matter of fact, Gramsci in 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 the, in the uh, early um, I think nineteen thirties, he was in prison by that time in Italy. I mean, he saw Japan as 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 as, as an example. Japan, Germany. Uh, a number of other societies, uh, transformations, uh, uh, saw these societies as 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 examples uh, of. Uh, in fact, most of the revolutions that that occurred were seen as examples of this kind of uh, of, of passive, you know, uh, 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 revolutions, which many of which, of course, end up in fascism. As did Italy, as did Japan, as did Germany, and so forth. I mean, we don't need to go into that. I mean, that becomes another kind of a much more a kind of a sticky problem. I mean, because it has to do with how Gramsci looked upon liberalism, for example, and what liberalism ends up doing. So, but it's a it, it, and and so, so it occurred. I mean, it's not my idea. I mean, there were there were some 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 people that had done. Work on uh, or suggested it, uh, the the relationship to major restoration. I mentioned that in the, in in the book major restoration and and the possible uh, as a as an example of a passive revolution and combined in uneven development. So that's basically.
2: Thank you. And uh, since a lot of the book is about uh, fascism and archism and now that we've established how these um modern japanese philosophers thought about the meiji re- uh, restoration um can you tell us a bit of how you were discussing um the formation of fascism in japan around the 1930s and um i guess how it differed from the kind of fascism in italy and germany um, because of the Japanese interpretation or understanding of capitalism at that time.
1: Well, I mean, it, one of the things, you know, you learn, of course, in, in, in making these 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 discrete comparisons is that, you know, capitalism itself, wherever it established, and this is what, a, this is, this is the way I would have answered, or I would answer your, your final question: is as you know, as far as modifying capitalism is that it invariably, and certainly in in the way that that it, it, that it's developed under the under the sanctions, in other words, of what we call the passive revolution. It, the, the 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 uh your your. You're developing, in other words, a, a a a capitalism that is deeply, kind of uh, embedded. In, in other words, in a in a kind of you know national history, in one form or another, or native kind of a history, in one form or another. Words, so those elements, in other words, from the past, are there side by side with with modern devices, modern capitalism, modern life, for example, and so forth. So that, but they, but they, but they have. But, but, but they have the imprint, in other words, of really quite specific, you know, national, uh, you know, how shall I put it, sensibilities, national traditions, and so forth and so on. I mean, so the, the Germans, Japanese, Italians, Romanians, uh, there was a certain amount of fascist uh, activity in France in the 1930s, uh, uh, Great Britain, you know, I mean, you find even I mean, I mentioned, even if you look at it, you know, I mean, there there were those people who looked upon, you know, a lot of Roosevelt's reforms his re- his and as his regulationism as a as a kind of step toward fascism in the 1930s. s. I mean, so, but the point is that they they are they they are they, they there is all, they share, in other words, a common ground in in having a a, a commitment or a dedication to a particular political economy, which we call uh, 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 capitalism, but on the other hand, you see, I mean, it, as I say, it's that that's constantly mediated, in other words, by by you know, the national, specific, or different national experiences, so forth and so on. And that's true. I mean, I mean, they and that you know, so that so that that also works with the fascism. I mean, the fascism. There are real similarities. I mean, I mean, and there's a common ground. I mean, what fascists, for example, in many of these societies, one of the things you see is is its complete rejection or of, of, of history. I mean, you know, they wanted to throw out history, and you know, if you take a look at current and American politics, in other words, uh, you can see, in other words, how that. I mean, especially you know. Uh, you know, the kind of politics that's represented by by uh, not the people in power, but the people out of power. You know, in other words, you know, uh, somebody like Trump, for example. I mean, history is just out the window. I mean, basically, I mean, it's a completely I mean, they're, the history, you see, one of the things that fascism has, what, what brings fascism to a kind of common ground is that it was very much concerned with especially in the 1930s of saving uh, capitalism I mean you're you know faced by profound in other words economic crisis uh, through global crisis as a matter of fact that you know threatened you know just to destroy societies I mean it was a, a crisis created by capitalism itself you see and yet you know the uh, and, and so that you have in other words the threat, but of, of you had this threat in Japan as well, and a number of societies that you know you have the threat of a mass, some form of mass revolution. You know, working class mass revolution, which would have you know presumably um, uh, eliminated capitalism. And so there is this this necessity, certainly in part of certain obviously groups, you know, to save capitalism from itself, and then you resort, in other words, to these various political tactics, What is which we call fascism. I mean, powerful authoritarianism on the one hand. I mean, uh, uh, political authoritarianism is rejection of history. And in many instances, the ideologies that fascism embraced Yes, of course, they're all different because they have, they, they reflect these national, in other words, traditions. So, you know, you get something called uh, uh, Romanita in, in Italy, you know, which, which were the, with Mussolini's regime kind of completely identified itself with, you know, the glories of Rome, ancient Rome, for example. The Germans, you know, had, uh, you know, um, uh, what they called, uh, represented uh, the, uh, the uh, is were represented by the thousand year Reich. in other words, Germany would lie, you know, with, you, know and, you know, which was a medieval con- basically an old medieval uh, kind of concept. And Japan went to its origins. you know the, its mythic origins, you know and and instead of history, see the problem of history for fascism is that history is is dangerous because if you have history, you also have the sense that, you know things pass, and what you know what was fearful. One on the hand was fearful that one of the things that might pass, in other words, into history, is capitalism itself. So you 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 know you don't need, you really don't you know you don't really don't want that reminder, you don't need a reminder that. You know things in the more immediate past or another time might have been better than they are in the present. I mean history is dangerous in many ways in that sense. So that but it gets replaced in other words by these these archaic myths, one form or another words, which are used in other words, you know, and, and which are I mean in yeah they these myths. You appeal to these myths. In other words, in order to you know this, to, to, to redo or kind of uh, resolve. In other words, the problems of the present. The present is really is is really what you know fascists were particularly concerned about. So that you you know in the case of the Japanese, but it was, I don't think the differences were you know despite the 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 content of these ideologies. Um, between these various countries, they these these ideologies, these kind of we, we call this archaism, were used in other words to guide the present. I mean, so you want to replace, you know, the present with you know uh, with uh, you, you replace the the history, in other words, of the present with these these new not new but these mythic in other words exemplars in other words many of them are you know false I mean you know you can't be you on know, the the origins of Japan is, is is you know it's just it's all myth just a it's a fog of mist myth in other words which was now being presented as if it had actually existed and I think that that's true of all of these for example uh you know uh It's a little like saying, you know, making America great again. When was it great? You know, or or when did it end? Now, so that there are these, there are these, um, as I say, shared uh, similarities, but yet, you know, real differences, in other words, which, uh, uh, as I say, uh, were more reflective in other words, of a uh, you know these uh, the experiences of these various individual societies, and, and I think uh, yes, you know, so that we say, you know, what they're really different, but as I say, that different those differences still have to be kind of balanced against the shared commonalities. Uh, in other words, of of these states. Uh, you know, the, both their capitalisms as well as their various fascists. So basically, that's the uh, that that's the argument that, that 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 I make, largely on on the basis of Japan, which I, of course I know the best. But I did look at some of these others, and, and, and there is, as I say, I mean I'm quite willing to admit to to the difference in content uh, contents. Let's put it that way. But uh, but there's some uh, important similarities.
2: Indeed. And having unpacked all these very important um conceptual questions, can you tell us, um, I guess briefly how in your entire argument of the book, how you would characterize the relationship between fascism, archaism, and capitalism in um Japan?
1: Well, I think that fascism is kind of embedded in in capitalism, actually. I mean, I think that, you know, that that it's a it's like the ghost in the machine but it's i mean you know that you know when something happens in the machine cat you know you know fascism kind of appears there therefore appears as as it's uh as it's a resolution um as I say, and and the differences goes back. I mean, I don't want to repeat myself because I think that 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 what the differences, uh, and there you you you'll see the differences because the the differences also represent, in other words, real differences, in other words, that existed, you know, that exist in the experiences of these various societies. I mean, you can't, you know, it's not, you know. It's 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 it's, the reason for that is that it's capitalism itself is also different. I mean, it's not, you know, we think of capital. It is it's global, you know, we think, but it it is not. It's not the same thing everywhere. Everywhere capitalism is established, for example, is, is 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 it's it's different precisely because you know it's it 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 happens at a certain time or a different time from any other place. But more importantly, it's that problem of time, in other words, and place are powerful mediators to shape capitalism to a particular society. You know, so Japanese capitalistic practices, which are really kind of interesting. You know, I remember this when I was, I was, I was, on when I was in the University of Chicago and I was asked about the business school to teach a course on I don't know, Japan's managerial techniques. I said, I don't know anything about them. He said, Well, yeah, I said, but I asked to it it's is it true that it's, it's they, they've just mastered, you know, certain kinds of techniques, you know, that other places have had, but I said, No, I said they just they have different, you know, they're different. And entirely and they come out of a, a, a you know, they come out of a particular Japanese experience, you said, you know, I, I don't think this stuff, you know, is 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 exportable. I mean, you know, you know, and, you know, if you're gonna do that, you're gonna export the you know the, the the particular society or the social sets of relationships, cultural relationships, in other words, which you know is it sounds insane. And basically, um, I think that's the the way one has to look at both capitalism and fascism. And the, you know, and these are tailor-made, you know, to particular societies. And so that, you know, there is, as I say, the, the the shared ground, but the differences have to be noted. That's simply, you know.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Um that that's um a lot, there's a lot to think about. Um not only from this book, but also to connect it with um, the discussions you've made in your previous books as well. But thank you so much for your time, for uh, joining us today on the channel.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity to uh, have me talk a little bit about this book. Thanks again so much.
2: Thank you. And we really didn't get to cover a lot of um, other very uh, interesting 25,
1: discussion. 25 <laughs> yes. oh, I could have gone on forever. <laughs> so
2: for listeners who uh, want to learn more about Japan, it's capitalism. And I highly encourage you to read this book because it's such a dense book. Uh, make sure to check out uh, "Archaism and Actuality, Japan and the Global Fascist Imaginary by Professor Harry Hartunian. I am Jenny Lee from New Books in Japanese Studies. Please stay tuned for our next episode.